This is Nancy Yearout, and welcome to Nancy's Psychic View on the High Road to Humanity. And here we are today with Liz Peterson. And welcome, Liz, to the show. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here working with you today. I'm excited you're here. You guys, she's from a really cool place. We're going to hear about where she lives. And we're also going to talk about her book, Mom Died Last Night. And, you know, we don't talk about death so much here um, in the United States. I don't know why we don't. We act like it's not going to happen. But it is her shared death experience. It's a memoir of death, grief, and afterlife communication. And it's not a, it's not a real long read. So anybody who has had someone die or if you know someone who this would really help, um, this is a helpful tool. Now, Liz is an advanced intuitive and energy healer. She is a Reiki master. She's a spiritual coach. She's a podcaster. And she's the author of Mom Died Last Night, and it is the, um, her shared death experience. Throughout her life, she's been a dedicated student of healing and metaphysical topics. She's driven by a deep desire to understand and harness the power of energy. Man, you, you and I are on the same wavelength. Drawing upon her natural born abilities and her personal journey of healing, transformation, and empowerment, she brings a unique perspective to everything she does, and it is her mission to use these. And we're just Glad you're here. You're a light worker. We love light workers. So thank you for coming. Liz, tell us your story. Why did you feel that you needed to write this? I'm just curious because, you know, we all have parents. My parents are both gone. I hate to say that, but talk about this. Tell your story. Well, after mom passed away, I was just compelled to write. Um, this has happened to me before, yet I have not published that one as of yet. It is upcoming. Okay. Um, but after my mother died, I woke up the next morning and I was led to write over and over again through my intuition. I kept on hearing, write this down, write this down, write this down. Just And I'm an avid note taker. I go to workshops all the time. I have notes and notes and notes books like in my cupboard of you know Are you a sticky note I'm a sticky note I am I'm a sticky note person too (laughs) (laughs) I love them and it just journaling so I basically like randomly journaled my experience I felt like I was being pressed upon to write all of my experiences down and I'm really glad that I did not only for myself, but now for others. So others can not only learn from my experience, but also if they have also experienced death recently, be able, you know, to look to this, know that they're not alone. And, you know, it is a process of going through that death process, the grief process, and then um, the joys that we can gain from afterlife communication. Well, the cool thing is, uh, this is really interesting because you are, Uh, And you're an intuitive person and you're a Reiki master. So when your mom was actually, and I I want you to tell a little bit of the story, if you don't mind, I don't want to give away your whole book, but you were giving her, she was in the hospital and you were actually giving her energy. You were running energy, which you feel, and I'll let you tell, may have helped her pass, not stay, which was not really your intention. 
Yes, my intention was to run the energy to do some Reiki. And it's funny, her energy system did not want that earth energy, you know, that hands of light energy that I learned for Barbara Brennan's work running that energy. It really wanted that soft, subtle Reiki energy. So I just sat there and I ran the energy and my hope, of course, because I was in denial that she was in her death process, you know, currently now looking back on the whole process and several months before, I know that she was in her death process. But in that moment, in denial, I just want my mom to live like selfishly, just want her a little bit longer in my life. So I'm doing the Reiki energy in hopes that it would help. Yeah. But also sitting there knowing, like I write in the book that sometimes we need energy to die. And Reiki can provide that. Yeah. Well, I just found that really interesting because, you know, I understand why you did it. I would do the same thing, but it, it, it really helped her, you know, and she told the doctor, I thought this was really interesting. People know when they're going to die. She told the doctor in the last few days that she felt like she was going to die. Yes. Yes. That was really hard to hear. Yeah. You know, reaching over and touching her shoulder and yeah. You know, hindsight, I wish I had tried to engage in conversation about that a little bit more, but also knowing the car ride from the hospital to her house, I was noticing like she wasn't able to complete sentences. So I really do feel like this was a conversation that we probably wouldn't have been able to have because it took her three times just to tell me, you know, I told the doctor, I had to get her to repeat that three times. And the last time I'm like, start from, I told the doctor, what is your next sentence? Well, I'm a little confused. She went in, they thought she had a bladder infection and yeah. they sent her home. So I was like, and I wanted to ask you about this because this happens a lot. And I'm, you know, I'm not putting, well, I guess I am putting down the medical industry because I don't like it. I saw my father when he was in the hospital and why would they have sent her home? First of all, because I want you to talk about what really threw me was getting her out of the car. I want you to yes. talk, because I think people deal with this and nobody talks about this. So will you kind of give a little bit of synopsis of what happened to you? Yeah. My sister called me and she said, mom's in the hospital. She went in for a bladder infection. She needs a ride home. Can you pick her up? And my sister was on her anniversary weekend down in Oregon. So I say, okay, I run over to the hospital and I pick her up and, you know, they've got her out in the hallway because the rooms are full and they don't really give me too much time to talk to her. And I sit by her bedside and she grabs my hand and pulls it close to her stomach and, you know, looks at me and she had just woken up. Okay. And um, over about the last six, seven, eight months when she would wake up, she'd be kind of out of it. So I thought you know, from hearing this from my sister, who was her caregiver, her last year or two of life, I just assumed it was because I had just woken her up that she was kind of out of it. And you then, hadn't seen her. You didn't realize. Yeah, exactly. So I'm okay. like, how are you? Are you okay? And she was able to communicate a little bit. And then the nurse comes up to me and it's not even the nurse, you know, that took care of her. It's a different nurse. She said, you know, sorry, she's not available. Here's her paperwork. Here's a uh, prescription for medication, you know, um, have this filled and have her taken. I'm like, okay. And then she's like, pull up your car and I'll meet you outside. Oh, they're just like ready to get rid of her. Yeah. They're just ready to get rid of her. You That's know, how I, I felt when I read time. your book. I was yeah, like <laughs> zero time to talk to my mother. I really wish that one, the nurse had spoken to me Yeah, because, you know, if I didn't know my mother and here's an 85 year old woman 
you would just assume that that's how she is all of the time. You know, you don't have that history of how she is on a daily basis to know. Right. So I do know that. Two, I wish I had, you know, had more time to speak to her in the hospital, ask her some questions. How is she doing? How is the trip? Why, you know, did she call the ambulance, you know, for a bladder infection? You know, ask more questions, have time to have a discussion with her, because I think, you know, that time in the car, that car ride, I noticed, you know, she's got labored breathing she's you know, falling in and out of sleep. She's not able to complete a sentence. If I had been able to figure that out while I was still in the hospital, I would have taken her. Yeah. I would not have taken her. And it should have been a red flag for me when I was getting her from the wheelchair into the truck and she was having difficulty and the nurse was just standing there offering no help at all. I'm like, and I even said that, I'm like, how am I going to get you in the house if I'm having trouble getting you in the car right now? Yeah, it was hard. Well, and I, I want to say something because um, this happened to me with my father years ago. He was always great. And then he had like so many strokes and some, my sister <laughs> called the ambulance. She, she, she shouldn't have, because I go to the hospital and they have given my father medication. And I just want to tell this because I think the audience, people need to hear this. They had given him something that changed his personality. Like he was not my dad. He was trying to take the covers off himself. He was trying to get to the bathroom. He, they had him catheterized and he didn't want to be, I mean, it just wasn't my father. And I, and they, you know, and I think as the shifts change, the nurse shift change like maybe if they would have seen him originally and then seen him like this they would have realized the medication was not clicking with him and he this is not proper but it's like they don't I don't know I mean I hate to say hate to be so harsh on the medical industry because I know there's a lot of good nurses and doctors out there but that's how I felt like you did like they should have known like something's not why would they have sent her home you know right. Yeah, that's the big question. Why would they have sent her home? And then when I got her back in, you know, I palpated her stomach and she said, ow, she said her chest was heavy. I told the nurse there was no follow up. I never saw a doctor before she was admitted, you know, back. Yeah. So you and couldn't get her. Three hours later, you know, we get the call and they have to rush intubator because they finally figured out her lungs were taking on fluid you know, and took care of that. And so when I left the ER, that was the last time I got to speak with my mom. God bless. And I went back the next day. Yeah. And sat by her bedside. And you did. And that's the cool thing. I want to say there's a lot of cool things I want to talk about in your book, but you know, you did spend that whole day with her. You weren't there when she passed. And I know that was difficult, but you did spend that whole day and she knew you were there. She knew I was there and I was glad to be able to spend that time with her. Yeah. And even leaving at night, you know, I went back and forth. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? It's hard. You know? And if I had followed my intuition and stayed, you know, I talk about it in the book that I went yeah. home, had dinner. Then my sister calls me and, you know, they're saying our organs are failing and we can come in if we want to. And my younger sister and I did make it to the hospital. My younger sister made it in time to be able to talk to her and read the letters that my niece and nephew had written for her. And, you know, Sarah said while she was sitting there, the tear came out of her eye when she was reading the letters 
you know, to my mom. She knew. So, no, she knew on some level. And I feel like when I was there holding her hand and talking to her that she knew. Mm-hmm. I do know, you know, also I heard from my grandmother and my great grandmother over on the other side saying we've got her. And, you know, being in denial, I'm like, okay, do you have her like you've got her, you're going to help her heal or you've got her like you've got her on the other side. But I really <laughs> I, you know, back, like they had her. She was at peace on the other side. I just didn't want to feed into that outcome right at the time. And I did walk in, you know, right after she took her last breath. I was downstairs. They were filling out my little ticket. My little I read that and there was a guy and he was just taking his sweet old time. And he knew he knew why I why I was there. He knew, you know, they were expecting me. And I'm like, come on, you don't need to change the sticker, you know, the sticker tape right now. I need to go. And like, I knew. Yeah. Liz, do you think that people in the hospital, because I want to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Do you think they just see death so often that they don't, they kind of become numb to it maybe? Because I mean, he knew your mom was dying and you wanted to get up to the floor before she took her last breath and he didn't care. He sat there and changed the tape on his little machine. Yeah. So where's the empathy? Where's the compassion? Or has our society just lost the compassion? You know what I mean? Right. I think that they process so many people and it was at the tail end, you know, of their COVID experience and they're probably so tired and, you know, it's late at night He's just thinking about what he needs to do. Oh, it's getting ready to be midnight. I need to change the sticker tape. You know, I'm like, and you could have done that after me. You know, yeah. it's just no thought, you know, to a person's concern. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I have to have compassion for his experience too. Right. You know, they do their best. Bless well, them. You think though, it really does. Yeah. I mean, our world, yeah, our world has become, well, I'm an empath. And, you know, and I just see the harshness. I've experienced the harshness in my life. It hasn't been easy, but, you know, I, I, I just, it's hard. Um, one thing I want to mention before we continue on, because we have a lot to talk about. So this is a really cool book, you guys. It's called Mom Died Last Night. So if you have anybody who is dying or has had a loved one just pass, it would be a good one for them. Um, I want to really quick bring up the part where you were trying to get mom from the wheelchair or into a walker or just out of the car. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because a lot of us just aren't physically capable of doing this kind of stuff. And that, didn't you call 911? I called 911 after I got her in the, in the house. Yeah. I mean, she was just a steady downhill momentum from the time I picked her up from the hospital. Yeah. So got her in the house. And when I got her in the house, she was choosing not to speak with me. I think that she was upset with me. I couldn't get her to use the restroom like she said she needed to. I couldn't get her to go from the walker seat to her chair, to her recliner. And I'm like, you know, mom, if you can't do these things, you know, how am I supposed to leave you? I can't leave you alone. And then I called my sister and got her on the phone. But the journey from the car into her house was quite a journey trying to figure out how my mother, who was so tired, so tired, she could barely walk. I had to sit her on the walker. She had had an experience on the walker where she was in a parking garage 
you know, with my sisters, they were going across and she had chosen to sit on the walker and kind of wheelie herself right and had flipped over backwards. So she had fear around being on. Oh my God. You know, and that was a couple of years prior. So she had a fear of being, you know, on the walker that way. It was really difficult for both of us. She did have a ramp, which was really nice. Um, But then I had to get her up, you know, four stairs up to report and into the house. And, you know, I had her put her arm around me and helped her legs up each step and then had her stand and hold on to the window air conditioner. When I ran down, I got her walker so she could, you know, walk her into the house. It was really, really difficult the whole time. I'm just thinking I should pause and call somebody right now. You know, the whole time. What are you going to do? She would have fallen. Yeah, she would have fallen. Yeah. I didn't want to leave her alone. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to let go of the walker the whole time. You know, it was um, really a challenging, difficult situation for the both of us. I want to ask, and I'm sorry to, that you had to go through that. Let me just say that. But I think a lot of people do. And the reason I wanted you to talk about it is because people don't talk about it. Yeah. People don't talk about this. They talk Did about the hard part of taking yeah. care of the parent. Yeah. Especially in that kind of a situation. Yeah. Did she, she lived alone, but yet your sister came in to check on her. Is that what the situation was? Cause I'm that way. I'm thinking, well, I don't want anybody. To, I'm not living with anybody and I'm not going to a home. So I'll have to hire right. someone to get, <laughs> start to think about this kind of stuff because people do want to stay in their home own homes. And that was how she felt. I would imagine. Yeah. She loved her home. She loved being able to stay in her home. She had a recliner. Everything was downstairs, little TV. She could get around the house with her walker. No yeah. issue. Um, so she did want to continue to take care of herself. It wasn't her, you know, best outcome, you know, for herself to be in a home. She didn't want to do that. And she was still able to take care of herself. And my sister was only, you know, she only had to go up there a couple of times a week to clean the house and take care of her, run her, to her. appointments and stuff like that. Yeah. To check on her. And yeah. she loved it. She called us all the time you know let us know what's going on she had her new little kitty that she had in the house and she was happy and you know it's just um she had taken a fall and that morning and she had taken a fall um the previous year in july and looking back that marks you know the beginning of her decline for myself yeah and when i got to the hospital when I had mom in the car, when I'm trying to get her in the house and I'm trying to speak to her in the house, there was no mention of a fall until the EMTs arrived at the house after I called them. And they said, she's, um, she's declined. She's not like she was this morning. And I go, what do you mean? Well, she fell this morning, you know, she had taken a fall. I'm like, she took a fall. And I'm like, how did I not know this? How did I not know that my mother had fallen in the bathroom? This morning. So that's what happened. Yeah. Wow. And that yeah. happens a lot where people fall in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. No. And okay. This is a, a tough subject, but I'm glad we're talking about it today. Let's talk a little bit about the cool part where she's gone, but then I think it was the first night the lights flicker at your house. Yes. Yeah. I'd gotten home and um, gone to bed and woken up the, um, oh, the light, the lights flickering. So the lights flickering was, um, when my boys got home. Okay. So my boys had gone a day early to their dad since I was with my mom in the hospital. And, um, they actually continued to stay with him. We were on a five, five, two, two schedule. 
So they were with him for the five days when they got home. My son's with me in my bed and he's next to me. Um, you know, we're just playing on our phones, devices, but I can't remember. And um, the light flickers next to me yeah. on the bedside table. And I noticed it. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. The light has never flickered before. My bedside lamp had never flickered before. Okay, that flickers again. I'm like, look at <laughs> it, like, mom, you know, because being a psychic, having my mediumship abilities come back on, you know, yeah. loving, you know, reading all of the books about paranormal activity, watching all the shows, yeah. wanting to join one myself. Um, you know, I was curious. I'm like, mom, you know, is that you? And you know, I said it to myself at first and then Soren realizes that the light is flickering and we ask and we have a full conversation with the flickering lamp and it even went out and came back on and went out and came back on again. I checked the lamp. I checked the light bulb. I checked the plug. I knew it was her in my heart of hearts. I knew it was her. And when the conversation was over, that was it. There was no more flickering. And occasionally, like in the living room next to the couch, a tall floor lamp um, would flicker as well. I also have uh, my printer cycles sometimes. Yesterday, I'm watching um, this grief yoga class with Commune, and he's having us put our hands on our chest and, you know, invoke the name of our loved one and then saying it out loud. And then all of a sudden, my printer starts to cycle. I'm like, oh, mom, you know, she's with me. You know, when we think about our loved ones, they're with us. Yeah, I wanted to, when I read that, I cracked up because that happens to me all of the time. The printer cycles all the time. And it's usually, they're trying to tell me something. It's my guides or my angels, or it could be, Mm -hmm. you know, mom or dad or whatever, but it's always somebody messing with my printer. And that goes off a lot. Yes. Isn't that wild? And it's three in the morning. Or my elliptical will start on its own, will turn on. And that's when I'm like, oh, they must want me to work out. Oh my God. I love that. But these things happen, you know, and then at what point um, do you hear your mom's voice? I want to bring that. I don't want to give away your whole book, but if you do hear her voice at one point. I do. Yes. Yeah. I'm waking up and I clearly heard, you know, nobody, but she and one other person on this planet call me that by my, you know, first full, full name. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what a gift to be waking up and, you know, hearing my name. So, you yeah, know, it's such a gift. Wonderful. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Cool. And the dream visitations and waking up one morning, someone was knocking on my door, you know, and I clearly heard the knock on my door and I sit up and I'm like, okay, why aren't my dogs barking? You know? And at that point, like, cause I, okay. You also talked about songs. So let's kind of go ahead a little bit. My sisters, I have two sisters that have passed. My oldest sister was uh, really into music. And so every time I hear a song that we used to sing, I know it's her or, well, yeah, you know how that works. And you talk about this in the book and that's, and I can really relate to it. And I bet a lot of people can too. Talk about the, the lyrics, like you were hearing songs and you knew you know, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. One of the ways that I receive spirit information is through song lyrics. And I don't get the entire song. I only get a little snippet of the song, just a okay. little line. And I can wake up with it. I've had my phone start playing in my purse. And uh-huh. then, you know, 10 minutes after picking my son up, you know, we're going in to get a snack post soccer and they're playing the same song, you know, 
in Are you the kidding me? while Stop. we're grabbing our food. Amazing. And I even had it this morning. I woke up this morning with one little snippet of a song, you know, in my head and consciously remembering to jot that down in my dream journal. But this is one of the ways that I receive messages from spirit is through song lyrics. And I think it's really a gift. And my mom used that, you know, to communicate with me what she wanted to say. And I don't want to really give it away in the book because they're beautiful and they really spoke to me, the yeah. specific lyrics. And it's funny, if you listen to the whole song, you know, you know, like the whole song doesn't apply, but that one little snippet does, um, you know, I'm your biggest fan or, you know, a few of the other ones that are right about in the book that it's just like, hey, I love you. I'm here. I'm supporting you. And this is an easy way for me to communicate with you through these songs. You know, she's here, right? She's really excited. She's watching yeah. it. I'm like, you know, she's watching this, right? <laughs> yeah, she's I can always feel it. part of it. I can feel it. I'm like, dude, she's totally here. <laughs> she's she really proud of you. Me. Do you want me to tell you what I get? Yes, sure. Oh, I would love that, Nancy. Thank you. Because she's always with me. Okay, well, hold on. Because I just, I'm like, she's so here. This is crazy. Because I also, let me ask my angel. Oh, she's just elated is her word. She's elated that you took the time to write this down and honored that, that her death could bring some comfort to others as they go through this experience. That's what I get. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nancy. That's beautiful. Oh, I really appreciate this. Yeah. Ooh. Like, I do feel that too. Yeah. That, oh my gosh. You know, putting that out, I'm honoring her life. I'm, you know, holding some reverence around her death, her passing, and mm -hmm. that my experience can hopefully help those who either are experiencing it or are going to. Yeah. Wow. She's, real, she's strong, me. man. I she is. She's I'm so really sorry. strong. I'm just like, what in the world? <laughs> I don't get this that much. Um, well, let's talk about grief a little bit because mm -hmm. you say grief feels like a heavy weight on my body as if I haven't slept for days. Yes. This part is. is hard, even though you're spiritual. And I just have to say this because I am too. And we know that this isn't it. And we go on to another plane, but it's, when it's your mom or your dad or your brother, or your sister, whatever, a child, you still go through the grief. Talk about your grief and, and how you handled it. Maybe you can help someone else. Sure. Yeah, I was not prepared for the feeling of grief that I was going to feel when my mother passed away. You know, as we do in life, we experience other types of grief, other types of experiences. But this was the first I can honestly say I was not prepared for it. And I've heard a lot of people say like, this is something you can't prepare for. And I do agree with that as well. Like this is something you cannot prepare for. I was not prepared for it. I was not prepared for how it was going to feel, you know, how long it was gonna take. Um, it was very heavy. It was like I was in shock when mm -hmm. my when my mother first passed away. Mm -hmm. um, I just walked around numb out of it. I had to remind myself to self-care. I, you know, talk about in the book how I made my tea. I had to heat it up three times because I kept forgetting that I had it. the tea. Oh my to drink it, right? I was like, okay, I need to fix myself something to eat. You know, and it was just like being on top of my daily 
needs. And, you know, this lasted for the first couple of days after she passed away, just kind of walking around in a daze. It was completely unexpected. And um, I just was not prepared. And I think that with our mother and father, that's, this is really not something that can, we can truly prepare for how it's going to feel. We can have an idea of Mm -hmm. how it's possibly going to feel. And I had an idea and I was not looking forward to it. (laughs) And I would say I was having pre-grief because I could see my mother's decline and feel like it was coming soon. But when it actually happened, it was really hard. And I really had to hold a compassionate space for myself and just walk myself through the day and the days after just making sure that I took care of myself. I had a close friend of mine say, what is one thing you're going to do for yourself today? And that became my mantra. What is one thing I'm going to do for myself today? You know, whether that be, you know, jump in the hot bath or go sit outside on my porch or take the dog for a walk and feel the sunshine on my face. What was I going to do that day for myself? That's really good. That's really, really great advice to give people because you don't self-care. You kind of, like you said, you're in a daze. And uh, I can understand that. You know, one thing you said I thought was really interesting, and it's true. You see our loved ones and spirit team, as I call them, on the other side are supporting us. And it's interesting because you started to notice this. Talk about that a little bit. I did. I started to notice it, not not just in the present moment, but I started to look back and realize that things were actually put in place for me before my mother actually died. Yeah. There were tinctures that I had purchased. I had run to the store when, you know, that wasn't on my to-do list. And you had food in the house so you didn't go out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I had food in the house so I didn't have to go out. All of these different things were put in place for me and during, you know. And it's cool that you recognized it. I thought this is why I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. When you're Um, when you're in touch with God, when you're in touch with spirit, you can say whatever you want, higher source. And these things happen. You start to recognize that they are helping us, you know, and it's just amazing. And once you do, it changes how you feel. You feel so much more grateful, not maybe not alone, you know? Yes. Yeah. I love the fact that I'm not alone. I've been through so many, you know, difficult things in my life, had adversity in my life where, I really have learned to have a relationship with spirit, with my spirit team. It makes life easier. I know in my bones that this is a co-creation in life. Whenever like I went through a divorce, you know, that be, you know, started in 2018, I found feathers everywhere. <laughs> I was taking a smoothie one day. I turn around to get the oat milk out of the refrigerator, turn back. There is a white feather on my blender. What? It's like, I can't make this up everywhere. And like, know that like, hey, they're with me. They're supporting me. I really feel like the universe has our back. They want us to succeed. They want to have things in place for us when we're hurting. They want us to know that they're there. And there's those signs, those feathers that you find, or I talk about in my book. The the birds. Yeah, the eagles that I saw before my mother passed away. I'm driving, you know, to my son's house on Vashon, and there's an eagle literally leading me down the road. You know, 
several feet above my car. And I'm driving home a few days later from the grocery store, you know, before she passed away. And an eagle flies in front of my windshield, you know, from a field into a forest on my left. Amazing. And the next day when I was on my way to the hospital, I just happened to look up and I see a red-tailed hawk who's been a power animal of mine since I was like 19 or 20 years old and an eagle. And they're flying in circles next to each other above the highway. And eagle since 2018 has been my sign and symbol for support. And, you know, there is like, we're here, you're strong, you've got this. And when you're not strong, we're here for you. It's beautiful. Yeah. When my dad died, there was a yellow bird. I've told the story many times on the show um, and it kept pecking at my window and I didn't know he was dying because I was in another state, but it was pecking. And I'm thinking, is he trying to eat the bugs? What is he doing? Why is he pecking at my window? And and that was kind of it. You also talk about the hummingbirds. I love the hummingbirds. I have them. I think a lot of people do, you know, but the cool thing was your mom loved hummingbirds. My and- mother yeah, talk about this because you didn't even have a feeder up. I want you to tell a little bit of that, if you don't mind. Yes, my mother loved hummingbirds. She was always on my sister to make sure it was cleaned and taken care of. She would sit there oh, and <laughs> see them out on the porch, like flying around. And she was fascinated with the different breeds of hummingbirds and, you know, always, you know, sending us little emails or, you know, voicemails left on my phone about the hummingbirds. And um, I had just moved a couple weeks prior into this new house and I had not set up my feeders yet. The next day after my mom passed away, I'm sitting on the couch. The sun is shining in the room behind me. There's a door that goes downstairs to the basement in front of me. It's sun drenched. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a shadow and I look up at the door and there is a hummingbird shadow on the door in front of me. It blew my mind. I looked to the window and there's a hummingbird. And in that moment, I knew like, that's her sign. And I had talked to her before she passed. It's like, I have this ability, you know, try to communicate with me. Like, I want you to communicate or to try to communicate with me from across the veil. I will know it's you. And when I saw that hummingbird shadow and that hummingbird up to the window and there were no fears and I just moved into the house and I'm like, that is her sign to let me know that she is okay, that she's on the other side. She's at peace and she can communicate with me. Yeah. I thought that was really cool because they do. That's how I got signs and I still get signs. It's always about the birds. I always, you know, that's what they do. I'll see a cardinal or I'll see a bluebird. It's really interesting. Um, and, and butterflies, too. I will say yeah. that. And I butterflies, too. Yeah. I my, son and I, my son and I were in Maryland visiting my dad and uh, we walked out of a care center where we were visiting a family member. And just outside the door, this blue butterfly was flying all around us. And it just happened to be the blue butterfly that was like my younger sister's tattoo on her shoulder. And I had never seen one of these butterflies before. And even my son, who's 16, was just in awe and amazed because this butterfly flew around us for a solid minute before landing on the gutter above the door. It was amazing. Yeah. You know, my dad, you know, is in front of us and he had pulled the car up for us. And he was standing there, you know, I mean, sitting in the car watching too. And he's just like, yeah. Did you see that? That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I want to go back. Let's rewind a little bit. I want to talk about going through our stuff because everybody's got to do this. 
You know, a lot of people do this and they have to go through the stuff and you did with your sister and you found pictures and recipes and all little notes, but maybe that's also therapeutic. Don't you think? It was really therapeutic to be with my sister and to go through her stuff. And as you're touching your loved one's things, it's like you can hear their voice in your head. And my sister even commented on this too. It's like everything I pick up, I can hear mom's voice in my head. And I'm like, me too. I'm hearing it too. You know, because we're in her space. This is her stuff. We've heard her speak about her things before. We're trying to have reverence over her things and really take care and think about what she would have wanted us to do with her things. And she did leave these little notes letting us know what this <laughs> antique was and what that antique was and stuff like that. Yeah. She had spoken oh. to my sister about, you know, special things that she wanted, you know, each of us to have and that sort of thing. And it really was a gift to be able to spend that time with my sister. Mm-hmm. It probably helped it also to come together and be in that space together and, you know, kind of hold space and, you know, do, do it quietly. And, you know, there's those moments where, you know, we have those memories sparked and we talk about them and the moments you cry together and the moments of silence. And it's not awkward silence. It's like loving silence, reverent silence as you're going through the house and reminiscing. It's, it's really a gift to be able to do that because you do go down memory lane. And it was a gift to me to be able to do that with my sister. I was thinking it with reverent silence as you said that. That's so funny. Yeah. So what's going on now? How long has it been since mom has passed? Mom passed February 11th, 2022. And she takes, of course, to 11.22. She wasn't indigo. So I do have to say that. And she did not have an easy life. She had a difficult life for an indigo and, but then she got really curious at the end of life, you know, having me as a daughter and being into metaphysical things, I got her brought around into that. Um, So she was opening to that and doing a lot of healing um, at the end of her life, which was really nice. Well, and that's helpful. You know, that's really cool. I I just want to say that because Uh, that generation didn't really realize or have the information that we have now and whatever we heal down here, down here really helps us when we go to that next, you know, uh, part of our existence, because I believe I'll just say this, that, you know, whatever we learn down here determines where we go when we pass. So, you know, it's wonderful that you helped her work through whatever you did. I think that's really cool. Now, does she still communicate what's going on? She does. She still communicates. Like I was saying, you know, like I'm sitting there doing the grief yoga and the printer starts going. I still see hummingbirds and butterflies. I had a dragonfly land on my foot a couple of weeks ago and fly around me, which was really fun. <laughs> it followed me in the house and I had to scoot him out. But um, yeah, I have those nature visits, you know, and I have dreams about her and I hear noises every now and then and the occasional flicker. She is in touch, not as much as she was when she first passed away, but I think she's busy and she's got us three girls and grandchildren that she needs to take care of and stuff like that too. But, and all I have to do is say her name or think about her and Foker and she's around, even though I know that she's probably doing her own things on the other side and 
you know, there's a part of me that really feels she's incarnated again. But I also know that we can be in multiple places at once since we're multidimensional. Yeah. And, um, well, I felt her here, so I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yep, she's around. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to be a... But then, you know what I picked up, which you're going to crack up when I tell you this. Have you done a lot of podcasts so far? I have. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I seven. feel like what I feel like, I know this... I feel like she just pops in when you have a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she does. Almost like it's her moral support. Like mom's hair. It's cool. Mm -hmm. I have been doing interviews and had hummingbirds come up to the window. Butterflies fly by the window. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what I feel. I feel like she's she comes when you do a podcast because she knows you're Mm -hmm. a little nervous and she wants to give you that extra, you know, mother reassurance. That's what I Yes. That's why she shows up on the podcast. Plus she's she a huge hear about it. Yeah. And she, she loves it. She's yeah. thought it was so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great. You know, there's one thing I want to talk about that nobody talks about before we get out of here today. I don't want to end it on a bad note, but um anger. You know, you're angry and nobody talks about this. You know, because yeah. maybe it's not appropriate or maybe you shouldn't say that. But at the very end of the book, you do talk about anger. Will you address that for a moment, please? Yeah, I was starting to feel anxiety. And I'm like, why am I feeling anxiety? I haven't felt it in years. And then I realized it dawned on me the anger that I was holding on around my experience in the hospital with my mother. Oh. And I just allowed myself to go into that feeling. I, um, being an energy healer, I know personal process techniques where we can process our anger. So emotional release exercises. And I talk about in the book how I went into it. I allowed myself to feel the anger. I did some pillow punching and pillow screams and hand screams and, you wow. know, um, allowed myself to go there. And underneath that anger is always the sadness and the grief. So after shedding that, that anger, I was able to just saw, just wail. Yeah. Just, I didn't mean to interrupt your thought, but I, I, you're just releasing, you're just, you were angry and you had to get rid of it. Like you're angry at the guy and you're angry at the nurse. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. Why? Yeah. 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 And just being able to release that felt so good. It was so cathartic. And I really felt like I was setting a good example for my son, too, who was in the house. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to be doing these anger release exercises. He was just, you know, in his room on his phone. I don't want you to be startled, you know, (laughs) myself to go. And then, you know, he got to witness mom and it's okay that I have these emotions. It's okay that I have this, this anger and then this grief that followed and how, wonderful it felt to be able to release another layer of that grief that I was holding on to and be able to, you know, let my son know when you're experiencing this, if you have, you know, any emotions around my mom, you know, passing away, please, you know, don't hesitate to share that. Let's talk about it. We can process it together. And, you know, that's really great. Thank you. Because, because we do, we store things in the body, being an energy healer when I'm working on you do I'm clearing things from people's bodies all the time. We store everything in our body better out than in. Let yourself feel, let yourself cry. If you're angry, you know, go take a kickboxing class or something like that. Get it out, go run it out. Yeah. It needs to be out. 
That's wonderful advice because that's how dis-ease sets in and you know that and I know that. And so, yeah, when you release, you're really making your, you're clearing your body. You're becoming healthy again because we regenerate, we rejuvenate. How has the book been received? I bet people love this. It's not too long, you guys. It's not too short. Has it been received very well? I bet. It has. I've gotten a lot of great reviews. I've gotten a lot of people come to me and tell me their beautiful stories about their loved ones and their parents, their mom and their experiences. I've had several people, you know, use it in the grief process and several people use it before, which is really nice. So they have an idea of what they might be, you know, getting ready to experience in the future if they have a loved one who is getting near death, near the end of their life. It's been well received. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. It's called Mom Died. Put that out. Yes, it's called Mom Died Last Night. My shared death experience. Do you have a website, or how do people find you? I do. You can find the book on Amazon, and my website is raisethevibewithliz.com. You can find, you know, all of my media appearances, my podcast, Raise the Vibe with Liz, um, how you can work with me, the book, and I have a couple courses. Um, one, I'm living an intuitive life, which you know teaches us how to connect. And live in that flow of life where we're connected to spirit and having a co-creation. Very nice. I'm really glad you came on today. Thank you. Thanks for sharing this with us. Much appreciated. Well, you guys, we've got to get out of here for today. I don't promote myself enough. So everybody's been giving me a hard time. I'm writing a new book. It's about angels and it's Archangel Gabriel's messages to humanity. But in the meantime, I do have my other one, Wake Up, The Universe is Speaking to You. And if you're new at this kind of stuff, if you're new on the spiritual um, path, this is a good one. It's kind of like a one-on-one. So check it out. You can find it on my website or on Amazon. If you want an angel reading, go to my website, nancyerout.com, and you can um, read all the messages from Archangel Gabriel there. You guys, I want everyone to have a terrific week. Liz, thanks again. And Thank you so everyone much for take, me. You're welcome. Everyone take care and God bless.